0: This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. Hey, Bible nerds, we're talking about Jesus as the vine. Let's take a closer look.
1: Yeah, this is... Well, let me say, up until tonight, this used to be one of my favorite texts. I
0: actually have a tattoo designed based on this text. Do you
1: really? I really do. Huh.
0: I didn't even, I don't even think I knew that. I have a full sleeve uh, on my right arm designed f- based on this text. From
1: the vine? Huh. That's, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I just hadn't really thought of
0: it. We'll talk about it off camera, but yeah. Okay,
1: Cool. So yeah, historically this has been one of my favorite texts um, I just, first and foremost, the Greek is really beautiful. yeah I'm not going to get into it tonight um, just because there's not enough time sure but one of the things that I personally want to do is I want to do a full teaching like three four hours worth of content standing in a vineyard working through mm. all of this with people yeah because it really is that impactful and so many of Jesus's metaphors and parables come from agricultural settings cuz that's what's common and known to the to the region and time period the people it resonates today we make metaphors out of baseball and cars and things yeah. that are common to our culture sure. but back then this would have been common to the culture yeah and so Jesus makes a lot of these but we don't really have; they don't resonate with us because yeah. they're not as part of our culture. Now you go, you go preach this at a church in Napa Valley. I bet you get a lot of the beauty out of it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say you go preach this text in in Italy in Greece, yeah. like in places in where
1: where vineyards are popular. Yeah. Um, heck, I think even if you preached it in Israel now oh yeah they would they would get it um cuz even israeli wine that's still a very prevalent kind of thing yeah for their for their, for their economy culture. yeah yeah but this is what jesus says he says i'm the true vine and my father is the vine grower so one thing that's been common throughout most of these i am statements is that jesus has a role to play in the metaphor as does god the father Think back to the gate, right? Yep. I'm the gate, mm. which leaves the father to be the gatekeeper. They go kind of in tandem majority of the time. John five, I do nothing that that my father does not will. Yeah. Right? There there are a lot of these metaphors in these I am statements because think back to Exodus. Yep. I am is God the Father's proclamation of the divine name, Yahweh.
0: So, Jesus, so this was a question that I was thinking about. Okay. Jesus does not have a role in that specific statement. Like, God the Son.
1: What do you mean? Which one?
0: No, that's what, I, like, in the the Exodus, I am who I am.
1: Correct. Hmm.
0: That actually makes my sleeve make more sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's God the Father. It's the divine name, Yahweh. Wow. That's revealed in that moment. The
0: central point, actually, and I've been thinking about this for years, is the Ormachon Omega Nika, which is I am who I am, hmm. right, in the Greek Septuagint.
1: Yeah. Um, you should use the Hebrew. It's more pretty.
0: Uh, no, because there's a Greek Orthodox symbol uh, uh, based around that. Just not using. being true
1: to the text, man. It's Hebrew. Hebrew's the sacred language of the Old Testament. No, I get
0: it. But, Anyways.
1: All right. Jesus continues, and he says, "He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit." Let me ask you a question, Clayton. Mm-hmm. Is there any branch in Jesus that you think doesn't bear fruit?
0: Lord, I'd hope not.
1: <laughs> it's kind of my point, right? Yeah. Um
0: if if that is true then our faith means nothing.
1: That would be the point, right? We got a lot of crap that doesn't bear fruit. Yeah. And the things that do bear fruit need pruning so that our light might shine bigger and bear more fruit. Mm-hmm. But then you think back to John 5, I do nothing that my father does not will. Yeah. This statement from Jesus here is a bit troubling to me. Sure. Um, The best that I can come up with is that it's equated to temptation. Jesus is tempted by the devil, does not give in a a Mm. fruit that, or a branch that bears no fruit would be that of which is tempting and God removes it from him. That's the best I can come up with to interpret this without falling into heresy. Because Jesus is tempted, and I don't know why we think that's only a one-time thing.
0: Yeah, so... uh, I think think you're on to something there. Based on something that it says later in the yes, chapter. That's, how that's where I came, you're going. That's okay. how I came to the conclusion. And uh, we'll yes, keep walking. Yes.
1: Verse three You have already be, been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. All right. That word abide. It's one he uses a lot in this chapter. In this chapter, he does use it a lot. The Greek word is "meno." Minnow. It's a verb. Our, a qu- our transliteration would be a- M-E-N-O with a long O, minnow. Another way to translate it, and it's a less common way, but there are some translations that do it this way, would be to translate it remain. Mm.
0: I have actually seen some translations of the Bible translate it that way.
1: If I'm honest, and this is one of the reasons when I sat down to study this in a new context, right? That's that's the thing, this is the... Living word. Sure. Every time you come back to something, it's going to speak to you in a little bit of a different way. And I had this encounter um, looking at this text in preparation for this podcast. Based on um, verse 7, it makes more sense to me to translate it remain. Uh, We'll get there in a second, but I'm going to change abide to remain, remain in me as I remain in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me doing it with abide. It's harder to get there, I think. But this is a question of source. Hmm. Why can the vine bear fruit? Because it has its source in the branches. It has its source in the roots. It has its source in something that's grounded. Yeah. What's our call as Christians? To pursue divine likeness? How can we do that unless we've been rooted in something? Yeah. Unless we have our source in something that is divine. This is the whole this is the whole Hebrews thing. I can do nothing to please God without God. And that's the beauty. Look, when you cut a vine, and that's the thing. I think, unless you've been around vineyards, I don't know that you know what a vineyard looks like. When I think of vineyards, I think of vines similar to what we have in this area. Yeah. But we don't live in an area where it's prevalent with grapes. Yeah. What kind of fruit... Do our vines slash bushes bear? Blueberries, blackberries, wild berries. Yeah. Interestingly enough, a a grapevine looks nothing like that. No. It looks closer to a tree.
0: So So I'm gonna do a thing. Go ahead. And you're gonna make fun of me. Okay. It's fine.
1: Okay. <laughs> When I was
0: overseas,
1: oh my God, <laughs> this guy
0: uh, when I was in Europe, and i was we were driving through Italy and vineyards on either side of the road, yeah, almost honest honestly as far as the eye could see mm-hmm. and it it was. So when I hear the word vineyard, I think about that. I think about Tuscany. Mm. I think about the rolling hills. Mm -hmm. And I think about this beautiful green pasture.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: When I think about vineyards, I think about beauty. Yeah. So when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches... I think about this beautiful narrative of connectivity. Yeah. Synchronicity. Yeah. Yep. That's what I see.
1: That's what you should see. That's the whole point. And that's magnified by verse five. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me Mm -hmm. and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, in that, does he really mean that you can do nothing? That's,
0: that's an interesting thought, an interesting question.
1: The answer is no.
0: Yeah, absolutely the no. The
1: rest of the narrative tells you you can do all kinds of crap yeah. without remaining in
0: Jesus. But then does it connect to the whole you will do greater things than me.
1: Well, so that's the deal. Can you do the right kind of thing? Can you do the things that bear fruit? Yeah. Because there's lots of things that can grow. Sure. But don't bear fruit. They're barren. Yep. You can do things without remaining in God, remaining in synchronicity with the divine, but you can't do the right kind of things. Hmm. Even Paul has this dilemma. In trying to remain with the divine... Paul has the dilemma. He says, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. Yeah. It's hard enough doing it in synchronicity.
0: Mm.
1: It's impossible without it. Yeah. And this is why in verse 6, Jesus says, whoever does not remain in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned.
0: That's the difference between verse 6 and verse 2. This is what I saw. This is what got me there to make your point from verse 2. I don't know if this is what did it for you, but he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Verse 6 Whoever does not abide in me or remain in me is thrown away. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the separation.
1: Yeah. Now, I also, I'm, I'm not convinced. I read some commentators. I'm not convinced you should be reading this in a hell metaphor.
0: I don't think so either. It's, I know lots of people do. I don't think so. It's
1: not that. This is what you would do with barren vines. Yeah. This is what you would do to keep your vineyard producing at the highest level. Absolutely. You would cut and burn the stuff that doesn't work. So I'm not convinced that you should be reading this in some kind of soteriological hell judgment kind of metaphor. It is to say that God will remove the things that do not remain in yes. him.
0: And, and I also think that that fits in the the same way that we talk about parables, right? That you can read this in a number of different ways. Yes. Right? Whether that means it's for your own congregation, mm-hmm. right and there's things that aren't working there, you throw it away and you burn it. Right? You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Now, I said at the beginning of the podcast, this used to be one of my favorite texts. I'm not so sure it remains one of my favorite texts. And this is me about to be extremely vulnerable. Verse 7 has become extremely problematic for me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you my father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples um by the time this comes out we are this is actually episode 50 yeah. we are 2 weeks away from completing our 1 year worth of our first year's worth of content in existence as Wellhouse Church. I wish I could reach the applause button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, episode 47, I think, yeah. of Pints and Perspectives, I announced that I am getting a divorce. Um, not my choice. My wife is having an affair, has filed for divorce in order to leave me for another man. Um, I don't want it. I, this is not what I want. And I have prayed countless hours And in today, as I was reading this and preparing and wrestling, I spent some time lamenting. Sure. Because I'm like, God, this is not true. And of course, like God always does, He very quickly reminded me that this is not over. I am not officially divorced. Um. yes, my wife persists in what she's doing, but this is not over. And I am, I don't know. One of our values at Wellhouse Church is to be real. And I want you listeners to know that I struggle with interpreting this. I really do. Because I feel like, And you can go back and listen to the last few weeks of Pints and Perspectives to get more of this story. But I feel like I have done the best that is humanly possible to remain in the divine, in the experiences of the divine, asking, begging, pleading that God would do this act of redemption. And to this point, he has not. Now, that does not mean that he's not working. I'm actually quite confident that he is working outside of that. But because I have not gotten the results that I've asked for, it is a little more difficult for me to read this and tell you with full certainty what is going to happen. That's just where I sit today. That is why this text is so difficult for me today.
0: So... I do know that a lot of our listeners don't overlap on our other podcasts. Um, And so Bible Nerd, this might be the first time you've heard of this. Um, Go back on Pints and Perspectives um, and listen to the first episode of Marriage and Family and then kind of track through with us through that series and you'll get the full story. Um,
1: well, and by the time this podcast comes out, the episode will be up where I talk about yeah. marriage being an experience of discipleship and cruciformity, yep. that this is something that happens so that you may grow into a greater understanding of being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus and all that comes with that, including suffering. And so in all of that context, this is difficult for me because verse eight, my father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. I don't know what else to say other than that's problematic. Um, For me, as I sit here today, I, and this is what I think is the meaning of faith. Hmm. hmm. That it's not something that you can see and explain. Yep. But it's something that you know God is working and going before you, even when you don't see him working and going before you.
0: Listener, we build theologies in four categories, but the one of those four categories that is making this problematic for Cullen right now in this moment is experience.
1: Mm-hmm. It is.
0: Um, And that happens. That happens to all of us all the time. Yeah. Um, And in your experience, I'm sure you've read something in the Bible somewhere that you have been, God, is is that really true? Yeah. And then... The only other option at that point in your experience, if you have not seen this in the character of God, is to take it on faith.
1: That's all you can do. And that and that's why we say on Pines and Perspectives that the Wesleyan quadrilateral for us is not an equilateral. Yeah. It's at the very least twenty six percent in favor of scripture. Um, because I needed to be. It has Scripture been. must be supreme because it is the ultimate revelation, is the record of the ultimate revelation of God revealed through the person of Jesus Christ, and these are Jesus' own words. And oddly enough, there's no caveat here, Mm-mm. other than remaining in the divine, remaining in synchronicity with the divine, and the things of the divine of which if i can be real honest i think restored marriages are a huge part of
0: fundamentally what's happening here is jesus is saying at least the way that the text lends itself to if you pursue godness god pursues you
1: mhm right that's verse 9 As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. Yep. Now, to all the Arminians out there. (laughs) This is a verse you should point to. It should be. (laughs) This is a verse you should point to. By the caveat of Minnow, this is something that you control. Yeah. Now... Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Hmm. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, huh? That one, that won't eat at you a little bit. It will. If you're not careful. Um, That puts a whole lot of human responsibility on the experience of divine love. Well, it, now.
0: It also creates a huge question too.
1: All right. Go ahead. What's your question?
0: Keep my commandments. hmm Does that mean everything that he's said thus far in the gospels? Yes. Does that mean every, does that mean the, the Old Testament commandments?
1: Ah, question. Very good question. The truth of the matter is, specifically in Matthew's gospel, Jesus multiple times says, I know you've heard or I know it's written, but I say, do this. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of stuff that Jesus trumps in the narrative. Now, I also think... That there are things that Jesus doesn't touch, which are revealing of the character of God in the Old Testament. Sure. And so the things that Jesus doesn't touch, yes, they would persist. Now, the truth is, all the troubling things in the Old Testament, Jesus touches. Yeah. Jesus comments on most of the troubling things in the Old Testament. This is the interesting... As, as difficult of a text as this is, verse 11 and 12 are huge for me. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If I can be real honest... This is not a text that brings a ton of joy.
0: I think, if I can be real honest with you, Mm -hmm. I think in your circumstance, this is a text that doesn't bring joy.
1: I don't think in anybody's, because it puts so much of the relationship on the human responsibility of remaining in God.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a big responsibility. Um but also think about, because you you brought up the Arminian soteriology. Mm-hmm. There's a level of comfort in that, that you have some power and control over your relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. and your right standing, your mm-hmm. holiness, yep. right? Um, on the, the flip side of that, with Calvinism, you have no control. Correct. Um, therefore,
1: well, hyper-Calvinism, and and
0: hyper-Calvinism, right, right, right. For sure. You have no control. Yep. And that in and of itself is scary because that means you don't know until the last day or, or it brings joy
1: or if you're chosen, you're chosen.
0: Yeah. That's also true. But do you ever really know?
1: It's a good question.
0: And so with that, I think we have a lot of questions. And that's why I don't know if it's helpful to talk about it in in terms of Arminianism and Calvinism. Well, that's why I didn't. I only brought it up
1: as Arminianism.
0: That's why I'm about to say what I'm about to say. You might should think about it in terms of deification. Pursuing Godness stripping the things of yourself away and letting god strip those things away from you that are not of him yeah and that is where there is comfort
1: you're close you're close you're really close to what i think jesus is saying i think the thing that brings joy is that the human responsibility is in minnow is a verb Remain, abide is a verb. There are going to be seasons in life where you're trying with the best you have Mm. to remain in God, and you feel like you're failing. But the reality is that your remnant, is consecrated by a promise that if you remain in God, God will remain in you. The comfort is not in the human responsibility. The comfort is in the divine pursuit of you when you are in pursuit of the divine. That's why your joy is complete. Because you have confidence that in your pursuit of divinity, divinity is in pursuit of you.